Okay, we are going live. We are here at the Podstarter studio. We're excited to be here with our guest today. So I'm Alex McCann. I'm your host uh, for the Onside Live podcast at uh, Onside. Um, And we are here today to talk with our wonderful guest. I've got our co-host, Martha Casey, the CEO of Volta. We also have Ross Simmons from Foundation Marketing and Saeed Eldarahali from Simply Cast. So uh, thanks so much for, for joining us. Uh, before we jump into our session and our podcast today, which is being recorded live, I'd have, uh, have our guests sort of introduce themselves and tell us a little bit about themselves. So Martha, I'm going to start off with you because you're, you're right here next to me and you've got so many interesting things going on. Tell, tell our guests who are listening in or uh, watching us on YouTube who you are. Thanks, Alex. Great to be here. Uh, So I'm Martha Casey, CEO at Volta. And for those of you that don't know much about Volta, we're an innovation hub in downtown Halifax that has more than 40 incredibly inspiring companies, founders that are doing everything. So high potential tech enabled founders, med tech, ag tech, um, across the board, cybersecurity. So very exciting space to be. Definitely come check it out. We've got a network space um, where people can come work through the week, free coffee, um, great resources. So hope to see you there. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. If you're uh, downtown Halifax, definitely got to check out Volta and our awesome mural that is on the side there. Yeah. Check it out. Okay. And Ross, over to you. Thanks for having me. So yeah, my name is Ross Simmons. I'm a digital marketing strategist and entrepreneur. Um, I run a company called Foundation. We are a content marketing agency that works with everything from up and coming startups all the way through to some of the the publicly traded unicorns in the wonderful world of SaaS. So uh, we've been around since 2014 working with these types of companies and uh, are having a blast at the same time. In addition, I'm a dad. I've got two little ones, one on the way, and I love that whole world. I'm trying to earn my dad mug every single day. And uh, yeah, super excited to chat innovation and tech with you folks today. It's going to be fun. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Saeed, saving the best for last. Thank you very much. And uh, wonderful to be here with uh, some very popular people in Halifax. <laughs> um, my name is Saeed Alderhali, President and CEO of a company called Simplycast. We're located in the beautiful Silicon uh, Dartmouth. Uh, the company's <laughs> been around for over 10 years now. And, uh, you know, call to fame uh, is that we support organizations around the world in providing engagement automation uh, in the area of marketing, uh, engagement, uh, emergency, and communication. Uh, you may have used some of our technology if you're in Halifax uh, with the content tracing that uh, was deployed as a social good technology opportunity to help uh, with uh, COVID uh, across all the restaurants in, in the province. And more recently, we just launched another, uh, you know, capability to do vaccine attestation. Ah, um, nice. And we're working on a couple of other things that will be coming out in the next uh, little while. But those are some of the kind of key capabilities that we're trying to help with, especially to end this uh, horrible pandemic. And uh, similar to Ross, I have five kids. Or I don't I'm, have I'm a, I'm a dad, but <laughs> Similar to Ross being a dad, that's playing catch uh, and work, work, working on my dad mug, which I have. I don't. I haven't received one yet, but I'm working. I'm working on it. So, a uh, lot, uh, lot to do. Four boys and one girl, and uh, uh, being a family man is uh, very important. And Nova Scotia is the best place to operate a business. So, if you're listening from outside of the province, please consider moving to this uh, great province. And uh, we would love to see you here. 
Awesome. Awesome. That's a great plug for our region. That's I appreciate true. that. It's I appreciate the Miami it. of Canada. Exactly. Yes. The Miami of Canada. Yeah. That's yeah. the first time I've yeah. heard that. Yeah, it's yeah. the last time yeah. probably. And, and, <laughs> it's whipping wind <laughs> And unfortunately due to climate change, you know, you might be you might be right. We might be, you know, head That's towards right. the, those exactly. warmer climates. Um, well, you know, as you guys know, you guys have been our guest uh, on our podcast before and onside we're focused on fostering inclusive, innovation driven entrepreneurship here in our region. Uh, and we're really trying to build a community that's that's focused on that. And uh, just as we were getting ready to come into the session today, we had some side chats as we kind of always do before we before we get started. And uh, we wanted to kind of kick things off with a you know a few topics of interest, which we're hoping that our guests will be uh, interested in. And just as we came in, we saw something that was in Entrevester, which is a, a local uh, publication that focuses on entrepreneur entrepreneurship here in our region. And it was talking a little bit about what's going on with regard to financing and funding, which uh, being a startup and early stage companies, everyone's always concerned about what's the the financing and funding environment. And we had some discussions around, you know, what what's what's going on there. Mar- Martha, you know, you had some some thoughts about your reaction to the to the information. What do you what do you think? And so, uh, you know, you can't you can't argue with data. Um and the information showed that last year funding was looked really good. This year it still looks very, very strong, but maybe not as strong as last year. We are seeing bigger funding rounds. We're seeing more companies looking at um, raising, you know, raising in the very near future. It's also very difficult to know. Some companies are quite um, quite private about funding. Uh, so it's it's hard to know how much that captures. I think it's representative. I think it shows the trends, but it's important to recognize that the trend is still upward. The trend, I mean, year over year, things may flatten out a bit, but we're seeing companies have more access to conversations with VCs. Mm-hmm. We have companies that... Um, are looking, as I said, looking for bigger rounds, so it may not happen as quickly. It takes a little bit longer. But I have not seen the kind of momentum that is in Atlanta, Canada, particularly mm. Nova Scotia, when it comes to access to funding is it's very exciting. And um, I think it's it's energizing because the opportunities are uh, it's there are all kinds of opportunities, and I think it's going to change the landscape, mm. the economic landscape, in the next couple of years. Yeah, yeah. And how about how about you, Saeed? Your 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 company's tech enabled, and you know you have a you have a platform company. We had a chance to talk about that. Are you are you or, or Ross seeing things a little differently over this last year and the last period with with COVID? Has your company been impacted, or what are you what are you seeing for other companies that are in this space? Yeah, no. So I mean, uh, for us, uh, we've actually seen an increase in revenue, uh, a lot higher than the, the past two years because of all the work that we're doing around the world, closing a lot of different deals. So I think uh, the pandemic has kind of sped up some of the uh, capabilities, especially in engagement automation in the area of emergency uh, communication and uh, you know engagement marketing is also kind of growing across the board now. There's less kind of physical type of marketing, more online marketing. So I think. You 
you know, the, the, the software world is going to continue to eat the world, I guess, <laughs> uh, you know, as we continue forward. But to kind of build on uh, what Martha has mentioned about uh, financing, uh, you know, being an ex-venture capitalist myself, I kind of, you know, keep track of what's happening across the region and across, uh, across Canada. Uh, there is still a lot of dry powder uh, that exists. There's a lot more entry, both uh, from the private equity, uh, some hedge funds, angel uh, groups, and so on. So even though uh, the size of the rounds, uh, if you take out the outliers, which is the kind of the biggest rounds that came in, overall Nova Scotia continues to do well. Uh, we do have strong, uh, you know, uh, funding rounds that are happening. As Martha also mentioned, a lot of those uh, organizations might not be, you know, uh, uh, um, reporting some of the rounds, and we'll see, you know, a, a bit of a skew of numbers as we continue to, you know, push forward. But if you take a ten-year average, uh, Nova Scotia and the Atlantic region is doing really, really well, uh, and we should not really be focused on the blips of, uh, you know, one-year to two-year mm-hmm. data. Mm-hmm. We should be really looking at, you know, a five-year, ten-year, fifteen-year trend, and uh, we're definitely hitting above our our weight uh, compared to other regions. But uh, we, what we really need to continue is push forward with more, uh, you know, founders coming in. My biggest worry, just uh, you know, give to the uh, folks um, that are listening in and watching us on the podcast here, is that you know there is a trend that uh, you know uh, later stage companies are going to get the majority of the money, and there's going to be a squeeze for some of the uh, you know new startups coming in. Um, the only thing that I would give advice to is uh, don't give up, keep pushing forward. There's always somebody that's willing to write you a check. You just need to find them, and uh, I think you know as money continues to push forward and the economy continues to to get better, um, just reports on jobs. We I think we did really well. We've already made over 200,000 jobs pr- compared to pre-pandemic, mm-hmm. and this is across Canada. So at least Canada is doing well compared to other jurisdictions, and uh, the money will continue to flow. So even though the numbers look down a little bit, but overall on the 10-year average, we're doing really well. Yeah, I would say one of the things that we've noticed, and we work with a lot of companies who are venture-backed and maybe the full gamut all the way from late stage, publicly traded, all the way through to some of those early stage YC companies that are just fresh out. Um, and my advice to the entrepreneurs watching would be, like, don't feel like you are restricted to your location to raise funding. I think the pandemic, one of the things that it opened up for a lot of organizations is the opportunity to get capital from outside of the region. And I think that's something to recognize, especially especially as an early stage company or a one person founder or a two person team, when you're getting the funding, don't be afraid to check out sites like AngelList. Don't be afraid Mm -hmm. to think a little bit differently around how you get your funding. Like there's a lot of unique, interesting things happening today where you are able to in many ways crowdsource funding and have it all as one line item on on your cap table. So I would be very um, much willing to get creative with it and don't feel like the past has to dictate your future and be okay with going away from some of the traditional norms because I don't think when you're early, early stage, you need to rely solely on the large VCs um, to kind of solidify whether or not you have a good idea. Like I've done angel investing and I think there's a lot more people who are doing angel investing, writing checks and mm-hmm. for a lot of companies, all you need is that first check and with that first check you can get product market fit. Once you have product market fit, you can show traction and once you show traction, then you start to look at, okay, what is my valuation? How do I go from here? So um, embrace the idea of also realizing like it's not a local game. You can go above and beyond outside of the region as well as outside of the country and be okay with that. Mm -hmm. You no longer always need to jump on a plane. You can send somebody an email. You can send somebody a DM on Twitter. You can send somebody a note on LinkedIn and you can unlock some of that capital. I would say on a global scale, 
capital is easier than ever mm. before. And it's very founder friendly. Like the valuations mm. that I'm seeing are ridiculous. They're nowhere near what they mm-hmm. used to be. And I think it's a very friendly, founder friendly environment right now because capital is everywhere. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. We've been, uh, uh, one of the things we've been doing this week at, at Onsite is we've been running a uh, uh, angel investment training session mm. uh, the, the whole week with a group called uh, Future Capital. And we worked with uh, Innovacore and Sandpiper Ventures, which is a women-led investment fund that's uh, in our region. And that was actually one of the things that came up. We talked a little bit about, you know, impacts from COVID. And, you know, um, you know, because some people, you know, back last in 2020, Uh, March hit, and if you didn't have a round going, you were like, "Eh, toast. Uh, but you raise a really good point, Ross, because uh, what came up in our in our session and what a lot of people are talking about is that physical barrier, mm. uh, the need to pitch in person. Right. Um, you know, people are are cutting checks with uh, doing you know virtual. I mean, there's different considerations yeah. and you know slightly different due diligence. But uh, yeah, that barrier of uh, you know only being able to access that angel network or that angel group or. VCs that are in your backyard, yeah. uh, to an extent, you know, some of that is is kind of uh, being removed. I'd say a lot of it is. I think it's a major shift right now. Yeah. And there's a huge, I mean, echoing what all of you have said, there's a huge increase in the number of people, number, number of angels in Canada mm. who are very, very mm. keen to invest. I mean, the profile that... Um, High growth startups have gotten and has right. gotten in the last five to ten years mm. has has shifted people's idea of what um, investment looks like. Yep. So, yeah, I think I think there's a big opportunity there. Hundred yeah. percent. Well, one thing I'm I'm uh, you know we were talking a little bit about um, you know financing to funding and people are getting kind of open to the idea of pitching remotely, um, and um, you know. It's it's really interesting, kind of the the world we're we're, we're moving into, right. <laughs> which is that we have a lot of um, you know people who are transitioning, you know, in their lives uh, around you know how how people are working, how they're showing up, how we're getting involved with um, operating our businesses, the the day to day culture of our of our of our companies and businesses, and all of those things are. Are starting to uh, to to change, um, and the kinds of people that we need to like, sort of bring in or bring on, and I'm I'm you know I I, I know we I we've I mean on side we have a small team, but uh, I'm a slack a maniac you know and and some of those kinds of things. I'm just kind of you know curious like you know how how has how have things changed um, or what have you sort of observed in the way that um, the culture you know around us is changing or shifting. Here in Halifax, and sort of, it, you know, in your in our businesses. Sure, I'll jump in. Um, you know, overall, uh, you know, two years ago when we started, uh, you know, uh, moving remotely, uh, our culture basically pretty much collapsed uh, because mm-hmm. uh, it was really relying on people going out to, for walks together, uh, you know, playing uh, cards, uh, you know, magic, and various other. Uh, you know, um, um, in the office type, uh, you know, uh, events. And uh, it was very difficult. You know, we felt lonely, uh, you know, <laughs> at, 
as, as we're working towards kind of recreating the culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't been able really to come back to the way that we used to be. Um, you can't really fight, fight the Nerf gun uh, wars uh, behind screens. So uh, the only thing that, that, that has probably kind of kept the company together and supported the, the team is that we've always had a Thursday meeting for an hour where we talk mm-hmm. about the business. We talk about everything that happened in the week before. And uh, that kind of gave us a little bit of an anchor, if you wish, because we didn't really change the way we operated. We continue to have the all hands meeting. Doesn't matter how big we we got uh, or we're getting, um, we will continue to have that. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I continue to do as a as a you know the the commander in chief within the organization is uh, in my uh, before COVID, I used to walk around and just say hello to everyone. Never ask about what they're working on, but more of about them, the individual. I've done that now. You know, on average, anywhere between tw- twice to three times a week, where I just message them mm-hmm. and do the same thing. And I think that has kept that little bit of you know the the CEO the management cares mm-hmm. which is really really important because uh, you know that is the the environment that we've lived in and that's the culture that we have we've tried to do you know events and things like mm-hmm. that but it's just it's not the same mm-hmm. um, we haven't really figured out a way to make remote work fun the way that we've had <laughs> um, and I'd love to hear what other companies we're sitting home wearing your PJs that's not that's not fun that's not fun <laughs> no no I mean for some for some they're very happy uh, we've already had employees that have already sold their homes in the city and moved mm-hmm. outside of the um, you know they're telling us that they're committed to the company which is wonderful mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Uh, the the world has changed and it's just difficult to have the same amount of fun that we used to have at the office mm-hmm. um, just because just you know you can't really replace physical and you know seeing somebody face to face so I think you know we're gonna keep, keep working on it but even two years in I haven't really figured a way to make work fun remotely yet mm-hmm. uh, the same way that we used to have it at, at work and I'm just being honest uh, because you know we worked really hard to create the culture over the 10 years and the last two years just you know we're still committed we haven't had any you know a lot of people leave the organization which is good because mm-hmm. they still remember the the good old times and we're, they're hoping to come back to it yeah yeah, yeah we've been remote pre-pandemic since the beginning so foundation was created on this idea of remote work uh, since 2014 the beginning of our company so the pandemic didn't really influence the culture too much uh, we were really intentional about creating a remote first environment and culture from the start so we were able to kind of smoothly transition through the pandemic and not really have a massive mm-hmm. impact on culture but I would say with all of this we've been growing significantly so it's a very different um, game when you're a team of three and now a team of 35 to kind of grow through all of this and be Mm -hmm. a remote team and maintain um, the culture and the environment and just do that. We've got a team that's spread out all over the globe. Um, We've got folks in Ireland and Nigeria and Mm -hmm. Vancouver and Toronto, throughout the US, like it's a very spread out company. Um, And you have to be very intentional with every interaction. So like we are very intentional with our communication, we're very intentional with the way in which we communicate as a team every Friday we we connect we have social gatherings so today our team was together and doing um, some type of game called ask away and we do like a trivia and things like that so we have a handful of mm-hmm. games that are built into zoom that we've actually started to use we tried to do um, some of my our board game fans will be able to appreciate this but one night werewolf which is an amazing <laughs> in-person board game we tried to do it on zoom not exactly that successful but um, you just got to tinker with it and that would be my reco to 
everyone is mm-hmm. like experiment, figure out what works for your folks, for your team. Um, and also just like embrace the idea of giving people autonomy more than anything over their calendar and their, their day to day. But mm-hmm. it's definitely been um, a shift. And I think uh, as we were talking about earlier, about like the great resignation, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a fascinating time to run a business. It's one of the most difficult times to run a business, but it's also one of the most exciting. I am uh, loving it. Yeah. And and we were talking about that a, a little bit as well, you know, talking about we're seeing this culture shift of going online and doing things remote. I know I drive my team crazy because every week I'm like, let's try this tool. Right. Let's try this. <laughs> we can communicate this way. You know, like all those all of those kinds of things. Um, and then, you know, we've been seeing in the in the news and mm. kind of everywhere this great resignation and people um, wanting to try different things, learn different things, reinvent themselves. Like what what are you guys like, what do you think is happening out there? What's happening yeah. with this great resignation and, and kind of the re I think it's a sign of the times. Like people yeah. want to switch things up. People are not feeling 100% fulfilled in some of their roles. People are looking for new areas of growth for themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think all of that is okay. I think everybody's a human. And as a human, the moment you stop looking for growth, it's the moment you stop kind of living. So I'm all for it. Even if it's a foundationite who decides to resign, I'm okay with it. Because at the end of the day, if they're finding their next challenge and they're going to be fulfilled in that role, I'm excited excited for them. I want them to do that. Mm. Um, So I think we can, as founders, get easily discouraged by the idea of folks Mm. resigning, but we need to look at it as, okay, this is something I can learn from. This is something that I can look at and think, how can I evolve our culture? Um, How can I evolve the way that I serve the team? And how can we create a place that does retain folks Mm. if uh, this was someone that you wanted to? So I think it's a a challenge, but like I said, I love the Mm. game of entrepreneurship. I think it's a new curveball and it's like a video game. We just got thrown into a a new (laughs) new part. Simulation. That's yeah. a deep talk. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, I mean, if if uh, I've been kind of following this area for probably the last fifteen years because uh, um, I used to I, I read a book probably back in '95, which was called "Boom Bust and Echo" by David Foote, which mm-hmm. talks a lot about the population and the you know the the skewing of uh, baby boomers and so on. But believe it or not, if you actually do a little bit of uh, digging uh, right now uh, as you're watching this, you'll actually see the Great Resignation actually started 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, the what has happened uh, right now, and you probably have heard this, where you know we've seen companies uh, from uh, you know across the U.S. doing what they call acquire, which they means they come in to a company, look at the opportunity, look at the people. That company might not actually have any revenue, but uh, a lot of the indication was the companies, uh, you know, as far as 10 years ago, were actually coming in, looking at teams and acquiring the team, shutting down their technology, and then keeping those teams together. Mm -hmm. Uh, That is an indication that there was a tight labor market even before uh, the pandemic. Mm -hmm. What has happened with the pandemic specifically is that the the great resignation actually started shifting industry to industry Mm -hmm. compared to technology sector to technology sector mm-hmm. and that created you know these very large numbers uh, I also agree with Ross that there's uh, you know there's uh, um, a trend where people are finding it a good opportunity now to make the switch because the job market is probably the best that it has been and uh, leaving a job and finding another job uh, was probably uh, you know a good uh, perception for you to resign and move on to the next but I believe that that's gonna actually not gonna be the case uh, in the 
next two years, there's going to be a major squeeze, in my opinion. And uh, the opportunity, uh, at least for for now, is that depending on how the economy continues to grow uh, and the logistics that's happening within within uh, the global markets, we're going to see a major demand increase over the next year. But then things will come back to normal and things will settle down. So uh, the biggest companies that will probably struggle is the smaller companies because mm-hmm. the wage gap and the wage increases are increasing, and that's going to potentially put more pressure on companies to raise capital or uh, potentially just walk away and uh, allow those employees to go elsewhere. So I think that this is the this is a bit of a you know hard times for some of the smaller companies. Uh, so if you are raising around, always raise more than you need, at least by 20 to 40% because uh, uh, wages will continue to increase and inflation is uh, is uh, ramping up as well for at least, you know, it was called transitory. Now it's uh, becoming permanent, uh, you know, and hopefully with interest rates going up, that's going to come back down. So so I think there's a lot of opportunity, but the, the, uh, the great resignation already started 10 years ago, uh, but it's now across all sectors rather than selective sectors. Mm. I think it's, it's uh, unique to Atlantic Canada when we had, um, you know, what we're experiencing right now. I think we were lagging 10 years ago. The, the market didn't seem quite as tight. People were coming out of school, moving away from the mm-hmm. province. Now, now that doesn't happen quite as much. Correct. There's more opportunity here. But I wanted, Ross, something that you said that really stood out to me was supporting your colleagues, your staff, no matter whether they're going to stay or go. And I think that's an important, it's critically important when we think about culture, which we mm-hmm. talked about a few minutes ago, because everybody wants to feel like they're continuing to grow in whatever right. role they're in. And ideally, we can build um, we can build capacity in teams. But the reality is, people. This isn't thirty five or forty years ago where people sign up, stick with a job, yep. and then <clears throat> retire out of the same job. So the more um, the more skills you can build, I think the more likely it is that you'll retain solid employees longer. But that's never going to be forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it makes your organization more a more attractive mm-hmm. place to work. And yep. you'll you'll attract you know replacements um, who have those solid skills. So just jumping around a little bit, uh, something that you'd both spoken about in this context was um, international. So mm. so you mentioned Ross that you've got colleagues all over the world. Yep. Um, when we think about the labor market and and um, you know the Great Resignation, it, it may come back to normal in mm-hmm. a year, but that's what I imagine will be likely due to accessing labor markets that we hadn't traditionally mm-hmm. thought of. Right. So particularly in regions like Atlantic Canada, we have to focus on opportunities to bring um, to bring immigrants, mm-hmm. well, highly skilled immigrants, and use those skills appropriately. I don't know that we have historically done that. I think I think we've tried to attract immigrants and there's been a mismatch mm-hmm. um, yeah. of skills. So this is a huge opportunity for us in the region. Um, it will have, I think, our success, and this is a bit of a lobbying, uh, we, we have to collectively lobby on this. Um, I think our future success really depends on getting this right. And yeah. it can distinguish, we can distinguish ourselves mm-hmm. as a province if we can actually move yeah. forward. I would. I think one of the biggest, I'm not in the politics game at all. I don't get it. I'm not in the <laughs> space. But I think one of the best things that politicians can do is try to create an environment that is attractive for immigrant founders. When you look at mm-hmm. some of the most successful and valuable companies today, 
the person at the helm is not exactly from the local region in which they're operating the company. Whether you look at Twitters, you look at the the Googles, you look at a lot of these organizations. Simply cast. The simply yeah. cast. The simply cast. <laughs> exactly. These organizations are oftentimes run by immigrants, so we need to be immigrant founder friendly um, because it's a massive value add to the local co- economy and community. And I think it's something that we should be embracing and encouraging. And if you are already here and you're a founder and you um, are looking for talent, I think it's also an opportunity to look outside of your own borders to say like the borders that we used to feel restricted by are truly now an imaginary thing. Mm-hmm. Yes, there are some things that you need to work through, but for the most part, like you can employ, you can engage and you can recruit people from all over the world. Mm-hmm. So I would strongly encourage folks locally to start realizing like this whole concept of being only able to access local talent has somewhat vanished. It has. And if, if people aren't willing to take that risk and take on that challenge, they will be left behind. 100%. You, you, so not to plug Volta, but we are going to be rolling out. Um, we are going to be rolling out a program to support uh, founders in accessing talent internationally and taking on some of that administrative burden. So stay tuned for that. Okay, that's great. That's great. Uh, Saeed is a, a perfect example 100%. of the, uh, yeah. the immigrant founder who's uh, found success uh, in our region. And one of the things that we've been, you know, really focused on is looking at, um, you know, the role of inclusion related to innovation and entrepreneurship. Like it's 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 something that's so important. Whether it's bringing in uh, immigrants um, who are who can be founders or those skilled workers working in our some of our, our startups, we don't have we don't have all the skills. <laughs> we don't have all the people and all the skills, and, and we need great people to to join us. Um, but there have been other folks who have been. Um, left out or not been able to adequately participate in kind of our startup environment, our startup culture, our business culture that we have that we have here. And, you know, in the last uh, year or two, um, you know, focus on equity, diversity, inclusion Mm -hmm. across many spectrums from from health to uh, to to business have really sort of come to the to the forefront. Um, And I do think that it's something important and we've it's been talked about more and more. So I just wanted to sort of open it up and and you know give give us some space to to talk about that because I don't think that that uh, we have that many opportunities to really kind of dive into it. Mm-hmm. So what what are you guys thinking about this space? What's what what's top of mind for you when you're thinking about inclusion and, and innovation and entrepreneurship? Yeah, so I mean, um, uh, CEOs, regardless of if it's a small company or a large company, really are looking for talent. Period. Uh, I think uh, when we had the abundance of talent in the last probably twenty years, um, you know, EDI might may not be top of mind because you had access to your local market. However, when when there is a, a major squeeze that's happening I think uh, this is a, a huge opportunity for us to speed up the EDI discussions and showcase that our businesses will probably not survive if we're not able to open up and ensure that we continue to be welcoming and supportive of uh, all walks of life uh, I think Nova Scotia has been doing a really good job uh, you know as a member of the one Nova Scotia coalition we did as much as we can uh, in the early days when we put the together the the one the now or never report and uh, you know even Halifax and this is an actual uh, Nova Scotia, an actual statistic, it showed that we were, uh, you know, hus- uh, you know hus- 
hospitable and uh, supportive, but not very welcoming of immigrants. Uh, that actually changed over just the last five years, and uh, the population started to see opportunities that uh, people that do come to Nova Scotia actually create net new jobs rather than mm-hmm. take away jobs. And I think that was the the biggest issue that we were seeing uh, in the in the in the data. Uh, that has now or officially has shifted, and I think overall Canada uh, is now you know bringing more immigrants uh, to uh, our shores, which is which is wonderful. Uh, the numbers have already increased from 300,000 a year, and it's going up to 400,000. And the corporate world is already asking for those numbers to go up to half a million a year. So, so I think I think the the the, the tide has now shifted, which is which is great. But on one to one, from a small business to uh, uh, you know medium businesses, we still continue to to see some resistance. And I think there's an opportunity that we need to you know continue to educate. Uh, there's a really good great program. The, the Black Business Initiative is actually working on, which is called the Den, and uh, you know definitely take a look at what they're doing there. It's a great program that allows you to uh, access training along with Dalhousie University to support you know um, understanding how to deal with uh, including EDI as part of your your corporate culture, how to you know create inclusion at the board level, create inclusion at the management level, and then eventually uh, you know across your staff. So so I think uh, you know along with the Nova Scotia government, the federal government, and organizations like BBI, the DEN, and various others, there is now you know support mechanisms where you could reach out and ask that you don't know what to do and you you need the help. Um, some of these programs are free. Some of them you have to pay for. But I think you're not left alone as a as a as a you know a management team where you need to take a look at those opportunities. So um, I think that, you know, like I said, things are shifting in the right way, but uh, some businesses, and I'll say this for the record, some businesses will not survive and uh, if they do not change the way that they operate and the way they attract. Mm-hmm. From an international perspective, as Ross mentioned, uh, you know, um, our company continues to find really great talent uh, locally. We haven't had to go outside of uh, Nova Scotia to find talent. Um, and I think it really comes down to that we focused on EDI when the company was created. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I don't mind tooting our own horn because I want other companies to do the same thing that, that we did. Uh, we hired people with disabilities. So when you think EDI, you shouldn't be just thinking about people from a way, you should be thinking about the unfortunate folks that might not have experience for you to hire. So creating a training program for, you know, new graduate training, creating a, a you know, a training program for people with disability. Um, there's a, there's an untapped talent that's already in our province that we need to take it, take, you know, advantage of and support them to become, you know, uh, supportive of our economy. So when you think EDI, think of every walk of life, not just people that are uh, international or people that come from away as we, we call them the CFAs. Um, um, but uh, there is there is a current population that is available to work. We just need to reach out to them and train them. And I encourage everyone on on this podcast to consider uh, every walk of life uh, to basically support our economy and continue to grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would 100% agree. I think for me, I would point to both sides. One, the talent who feels like they've been underestimated, overlooked. And I would encourage you to really recognize that technology in this space is actually one of the greatest opportunities of your lifetime, and it is worth pursuing. Um, There is space for you. There are companies that want you, and there has never been a better time to throw your hat in the ring. And don't disqualify yourself just because you are telling yourself a story. So if you think that you can add value to a company, I would encourage you to take the time and take the effort 
effort to reach out to founders, reach out to people who are in the situations that you want to be in, and don't be afraid because you're from a different walk of life that there's no space for you. It is there. So I strongly, strongly encourage you to take the step. Those who are already in the organizations and those who want to be allies, my advice to you is to send the wire or make the hire. And I stole that from somebody I saw on Twitter say it, but it's very much that simple. You can look at a lot of the funding that has been done in the region and there isn't much diversity in the founders who are being backed consistently in the Canada at large, especially here. There's not a lot of funding going directly Mm -hmm. to founders that aren't necessarily the typical entrepreneur founder. Mm -hmm. So I would encourage people to actually write the check and realize like you have the power to make a difference that will last for generations and the only way to make that impact is to actually do things it's great to talk about it it's great to get excited it's great to say oh we're going to do these things but until you make the hire until you cut the the check and send the wire then you're really just doing lip service so i would encourage all of those who want to be allies to be an ally by actually doing something versus just talking about the things yeah. Absolutely. Well, it's really interesting you say that. And, um, you know, this has been this. First of all, I just want to give a shout out to Ross because he did the uh, keynote at the BBI Gala oh, yes, the other you. day. So I just want to give you a shout out for for that good work. Um, and, you know, I think that, um, you know, we, we at Onset, we did some work. We have a inclusive innovation monitor plug for for some of our, our work, uh, which has over 30 plus indicators around uh, an inclusive economy here in Nova Scotia, looking at everything from the amount of funding that goes into um, women led companies, which I think in is like three percent, less than three percent. If you're an indigenous or, or a black founder, it's it's even lower. I think if you're an indigenous founder, it might be like point one percent it's it's really low so um so those you know when folks don't have access to the same level of financing and funding um you know there's there's a problem there's a there's a problem probably on both ends right like it's probably like a structural problem from from the top like you know looking down at who they're going to invest in and then that there there could be some issues of you know uh folks coming up getting ready being in the uh, position to pitch be mentored all of those all of those kinds of things and uh you know i know at at volta you you guys have been trying to look at this problem and many others have what are some things that we're like kind of doing okay at? Like, what what are some things that we're doing well? In, I know in Martha America? won't toot her own horn, but <laughs> I would say Volt is doing a great job at actually going to the root, which is to mm-hmm. the youth and going into the communities and speaking to the youth, which is the next generation. And mm-hmm opening their eyes to the opportunity. So my hat's off to Volta for that work. I think uh, they've been doing some amazing things in the actual communities where these people reside. Um, so keep that up. It's uh, It lights me up to see it. Thanks, Ross. So one thing that we've, we've also really focused on is not, um, not supposing what underrepresented populations need. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to be, our, our activities need to be led um, and guided through collaborations with um, with underrepresented groups, we've had far more success and engagement um, as a result of that. And overall, I think it, it, it's just I I and apologies for the sigh. I just think um, <laughs> organizations like Volta and, and and we're certainly not alone are part of the reason there is this gap. So mm. tech is not has not historically been a welcoming place for underrepresented um, communities. And we have to be very, very deliberate and take, as Ross said, what is it? 
right? The, oh, send the wire, send make the, the hire. Send the wire. Tiffany Bell make, said that, just like in case it. she's watching. Send, send the wire, make the hire. So we have to actually take action. Um, yeah. And we've we've tried to do that, but it can't be in a vacuum. We can't guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's there's a real problem um, of of sort of a the same people who've been who've who haven't engaged in the past are trying to guess at what the solution is and that's just it's going to exacerbate mm. what's what's already a gap but um, we're very excited. We've seen a real shift in the kinds of engagements mm. we're getting at Volta and that's true of our partner organizations as well. Yeah. Yeah. What, what's something that could we could we could do better? So Martha's Martha's I think Martha's right. Like we have an idea, especially, you know, what what a tech founder, you know, looks like, you know, how they act, how they dress, you know, like the Silicon Valley, you know, kind of motif. Um, but we know that there's immigrant founders, women, all, all kinds of folks. Um, and we're starting to see some things that are that are happening. But like, what are what are some things that we could do a little bit a little bit better? Saeed, I know you talk a lot about immig- immigrants, but what what else could we be doing here in the province to? Yeah, so I think I think you know um, the, the 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 key the key to to success at least the, to influence change across a province, you need to start looking at capacity building. You need to start looking at ecosystem, um, you know, focus, and that requires all three levels of government to basically come together along. with with private sector nonprofit organizations where there's policy to be made and uh, the opportunities that we need to start integrating some of the things that we want to be you know done in 10 years from now 20 years from now 30 years from now into our schools and into our you know uh, K to K to 12 you know opportunities also the community college is doing a great job in Nova mm-hmm. Scotia I think we're you know we're second to none in the, the work that the that's happening uh, within our province um, the the key at the end of the day uh, uh, and why, uh, you know, I think we're lacking, um, um, you know, opportunities. And I think we're not really focused on this. And I, and I, I will, uh, you know, mention this because I think a lot of people will say, oh, yes, that is something that we need to figure out. And believe it or not, it's the parents. Mm-hmm. Um, parents have been very much focused on, I want my son to be a doctor. I want my <laughs> daughter to be an engineer. And I want my daughter to become a brain surgeon. And now uh, the shift has now gone in the opposite direction where mm-hmm. kids want to be YouTubers. They want to be gamers. <laughs> you know, I think being a doctor is probably number seven on their list based mm-hmm. on a stat that I've seen. So I think there's an opportunity that we are focusing on probably the wrong demographic now because we're trying to get our kids to think about it. Mm-hmm. but uh, YouTube, along with uh, you know TikTok, uh, has now influenced their minds that this is where you could become famous, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, seeing an exit for a billion dollars is not going to change somebody's mind anymore because mm-hmm. they think they can make it. Uh, so I think there's an opportunity where we need to start focusing on the parents, mm-hmm. um, you know, re-educating them that, that there's opportunities in these specific you know uh, skill sets, and by allowing their kids to consider uh, some of those skill sets, I think that would serve the country in the long term. Um, I think the federal government has already done, you know, the whole concept with clustering mm-hmm. where we can start focusing on, you know, f- the five areas where Nova Scotia, uh, you know, focusing on ocean tech. I think that's that's a key to, you know, long term. Uh, but we also need to start thinking about what we can do from the short term perspective where, you know, somebody that's going to graduate in three years from now from grade 10, 11, 12, uh, where we could, you know, guide them in areas that are going to focus on mm-hmm. the shortages that we think of. 
one of the biggest problems that we also have is that we look at Statistics Canada and the surveys that are happening, mm-hmm. but those surveys are usually two to three years old by the mm-hmm. time they're they're complete, and the markets are changing every five years. And by the time you make a decision and influence the education system, it's already too late. Yeah. So I think there's an opportunity for private sector organizations like Volta, uh, like Nova Scotia Works, like Teamworks, and mm-hmm. other organizations where we can start looking at you know retooling those individuals in a year's time and then bring them into the organization. And uh, that level of commitment has to happen at the government level mm-hmm. because it requires you know investment in our people mm-hmm. to allow them to shift into these new opportunities. And uh, I think that is probably something that we've talked about for for probably the last thirty years but we haven't been able to find a way to make it work really well. So there's an opportunity there. So to kind of wrap up, two things, focus on the parents and showcase. Mm. And number two, look at opportunities that are already happening with the great resignation and how we can retool those individuals that might be coming out of the hospitality industry, mm. but might be needed in the construction industry. And some of those people that are leaving the construction industry could potentially you know, work in the uh, in the tech industry. So, so I think the retooling is probably something that we need to invest heavily in mm-hmm. as a government um, because it will probably give us the opportunity of the you know the creation of the um, the capacity building and then immigration it will continue but uh, you know getting access to a million people for a whole country which means that we're only going to get seven percent of mm-hmm. those individuals and from a per capita perspective um, so and that the shortage is 200,000 people because Nova Scotia has the highest aging population, mm-hmm. uh, you know, representing probably close to 30% of our population. And by 2026, we're probably going to lose another 50,000 potential working and able bodies. And uh, with immigration, even at 10,000, mm-hmm. um, that might not be able to cover the the, mm-hmm. the overall numbers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love it. I think the, the point about the schooling system is very important. I think it does come down to a lot of it, like the parents' in the way in which we're being exposed to things like it's uh, it's interesting and fascinating to think like a lot of the studies that we read they're five years behind um, and things are changing really quickly like I think we are living in one of the most interesting times when you look at web 3 and you look at cryptocurrencies you look at NFTs mm-hmm. and you look at the rise of some of these concepts they're not things that someone who is not really in the weeds is going to be knowledgeable about. They're not going to know that. Um, There's profs who aren't going to be able to teach about cryptocurrencies. They're not going to know about Ethereum. They're not going to know about Solana. They're not going to know about um, the bored apes. They're not going to know about any of these things. So it's important that we not just focus on actually um, what we have done in the past, but it's also important that we instill a bit of curiosity into all of the communities so people are just going out and experimenting. So parents don't restrict your children to say oh you are you have to be an engineer open their eyes up to this idea of just being curious mm-hmm. and open their eyes up to tinkering and open their eyes up to the opportunities that we're not even aware of mm-hmm. right now because there are so many places online today where they can learn things i think it's great that people are spending time on YouTube learning from people all over the globe and getting access to <laughs> new information. Because if I was 16, I would be on the internet just consuming all of the information, trying to build relationships uh-huh. with people globally, trying to figure out like what is the next big thing? What is the next artificial mm-hmm. intelligence? And how can I play a role in that? And I would also say to Saeed's point about the folks who are no longer in a role, such as in construction, let's say you're trying to find something different. 
acknowledge and realize folks like you don't have to be an engineer to be in tech you can be a salesperson mm. you can be a marketing you can be a you can be someone who's doing qa you can be someone who is doing design graphic design you can do so many different things you can be a people leader right like there are so many skills that are still applicable that go outside of mm -hmm. the engineering role so don't feel like just because you've spent the last five years in a specific lane that tech is no longer an opportunity for you whether it's SaaS, whether it's ocean tech whether it's web3 I believe a lot of skills are being seen as having to go down a certain path when they could actually be very transferable into tech, which is, in my opinion, the greatest wealth generation <laughs> opportunity of all time. So get it in. It's all right. There you, go. There, you go. there you go. I just want to say that tech, I fully agree, and tech is the future of Nova Scotia's economy. So do not, as Ross said, you don't have to be an engineer. Whatever you're doing, if you're an accountant, if you're Whatever it is, there's opportunity in tech. And if you look at the growing companies in our region, you'll see they're scaling tech companies. Yep. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we, we have some we have some questions that have kind of rolled in. Um, wanted to get a reflection of the times past and going forward, but I think we'll be mindful of we're getting a few questions that are that are coming in. So I think we should. Uh, see if we can get to a couple of them that are coming in. So we lightning have lightning round. Yeah, lightning <laughs> round. We'll do a lightning round. So we have uh, a question that's coming in. Maybe Martha, you can see the question sure. a little bit. Okay. I see. How do you think? And then there's like how a do line. you think the COVID <laughs> physical distances, i.e., not in the same room phenomena, will impact innovation? That hanging out together where new ideas just happen. I think that's a great question, and I wonder what you guys are seeing mm -hmm. in your in your companies because I think that culturally and and you you sort of touch on that site absolutely yeah so i mean if if you kind of read the news with jb morgan and goldman sachs uh ceo has mentioned that mm -hmm. uh you know innovation is really important uh you know how it happens at the office i i agree that uh it's going to cause you know less innovation to happen over time um however um i think you know, uh, the human race has always adapted to changes, or you know, as uh, as pandemics or a change in in uh, in from a climate change perspective than others. So innovation will continue, but I think it will probably you know slow down a bit uh, because of the physical distancing and not being in the in the same room. Um, you know, uh, brain cells are not going to fire as 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 much. But I think over time, as uh, as uh, as mentioned, Alex mentioned, you know, new tools will come in, new ideas will form. And you know gaps will uh, will you know form eventually to the point where innovation will come back to its uh, its pre-pandemic level. But I think uh, right now we're in this kind of um, uh, concept, if you wish, or uh, mindset that we think that we're going to come back to the office and we're almost kind of putting ourselves in a, in a yeah. pause. Um, and that's kind of normal when when you know uh, the, any, when you when you get sick. Uh, and you go to the hospital, you're not thinking about if you're going to play soccer tomorrow. You're not thinking if you're going to do the dishes tomorrow. All you're trying to, you know, focus on is getting better. And then once you get home, then you're going, oh my God, I haven't done laundry. I haven't done this. I haven't done that. <laughs> and then innovation goes in, in, a, in a hyper mode where, you know, I'll do the laundry first, then I'll do the dishes after, and then I'll go visit my friends and then I'll see. So I think, I think we're in this, you know, short uh, period of lack of innovation or disrupted innovation. But I think once people understand that this is going to be the norm or the new normal, I think innovation will, will pick up. So uh, so I agree with the, whoever asked the question that it will have a negative impact, but I think we will get back to normal again as, uh, as we uh, uh, start utilizing the various tools and the opportunities of uh, working together in the new normal. 
Mm-hmm. And I have to take a counter to that and think sure. it's uh-huh. uh, going to accelerate. I think that the rise of remote is opening the world up to a moment in which it's kind of like the beginning of the pandemic when the entire world viewed the pandemic as the enemy and we needed uh-huh. to find a way to solve it. And then we had a moment where it essentially was a crowdsourced problem where minds all over the world were trying to solve a specific problem. And all of these minds, no matter where you were, if you were in Canada, you were in Africa, you were in Europe, Quebec, it didn't matter. You were trying to find a solution, a vaccine, et cetera. And all of these great minds started to work on this project and journals were being sent from country to country. I think right now, this is happening. Mm-hmm. I think that companies and innovation is happening in a more crowdsourced way where you can log into a Discord community and see some of the brightest minds of our generation collaborating and discussing mm-hmm. the next wave of Web3. You can go on Twitter and you can see some of the best minds having in-depth debate and discussions about concepts that are going to revolutionize the way that SaaS businesses are grown and are structured. And that is a unseen, unfathomable, if that's the word, um, (laughs) concept that has never happened before. Because now we are not limited to the minds that are restricted to walking into the same door. Mm -hmm. We now are able to get multiple minds from all backs of, Mm -hmm. of all walks of life all on a single platform talking about the same problem and trying to solve it together. So I believe it's actually gonna be an acceleration of innovation because we're going to get more people trying to solve hard problems and more people with a diverse viewpoint that we wouldn't have been able to get all at the same table in the past before you were limited to the people that you hired. Now you can send out an idea, you can send out a problem and the world will work with you in a community and in a forum to solve it. Oh, okay. All right. I, I feel like we might have to come back in the future, <laughs> another year from now, and like check in on uh, check in on where we are with that one. That's a that's a good. I one. have some ideas to continue on that discussion, but we could be here. We'll all day. save that for Indeed. another. We'll save Indeed. it for another yeah. one. Okay. I think we have another question that's coming in, which I feel like this is a really big question, but we'll do our best. Uh, Martha Ross and uh, Saeed, I think it's uh, what are some of the most pressing challenges needs spaces in the region that require, require more, more entrepreneurs. entrepreneurs. Okay, yeah, so is there is there do we have a sure, do we I have mean, a gap? Yeah, so something that we've looked at and uh, it's starting to happen we're you're also starting to see some funds uh, being formed for it but uh, about 15 years ago uh, in Nova Scotia specifically we saw the transition and the sale of existing businesses um, where you know the family members are no longer interested in you know taking over a farm taking over an insurance business or taking over an existing business so there's going to be a need mm-hmm. for entrepreneurs to be to land on our shores to continue some of those businesses and to carry them uh, through the next uh, generation so uh, that is a huge number when you look at the uh, small businesses that need to transition uh, ownership um, mm-hmm. the second is uh, as uh, you know uh, Ross mentioned uh, there's lots of problems that are happening both uh, you know at the government level uh, where there's going to be innovation that's required uh, there's areas uh, you know in the fisheries industry there's areas of manufacturing so there's there's a lot of opportunities that I've seen across multi sectors um, that requires uh, you know uh, more entrepreneurs to come in uh, and that's why I think you know entrepreneurship is probably one of the best places to create wealth um, if that's the area that you're you're looking to enter into but you need to find that major challenge um and uh, just you know on the last point that we that we were talking about we're seeing a lot of innovation that's going to accelerate on the tech side yeah but we can't forget that there's so many different sectors 100%. right mm-hmm. right and that's and that's where i think there there's the opportunity that tech will continue to innovate very quickly but there's a lot of lagging 
areas of the industry that we're not really watching because we're kind of very focused on one area as, as tech mm-hmm. entrepreneurs. But uh, there's opportunities and challenges that we need more individuals to come in and help us with our health care crisis that we're going to be in. We need more doctors, for example, because that's that's something that, uh, that you know, with the aging population, along with the aging, uh, you know, profession uh, of doctors that, you know, we're going to see a major, major problem. Long-term care and home care, that's another major mm-hmm. issue that's that's coming up that we need more people in. So uh, if you focus on tech, things are going to look great for the mm-hmm. next 20 years, but all these other traditional industries are lacking and require entrepreneurs to come in mm-hmm. and support, um, you know, even school buses, drivers, we're lacking drivers. You know, somebody calls in sick, mm-hmm. we don't have a second driver to come in mm-hmm. to support, uh, you know, our kids going to school. So there's so many disruptions that are happening all at the same time that we truly need to look at an ecosystem approach of getting entrepreneurs to come in and support these industries to continue because our quality of life in Canada, the only reason that we have it is because we have a capitalism that's driving innovation and businesses that are starting up and people that are looking to create wealth. Yeah. And I think the entrepreneurs, whether you take, if you take a tech lens to a lot of these problems, there's a massive opportunity there. Right. If you look at buses, if you look at housing, I think housing regionally is something that is talked about often. And I, I have mad respect for all of those in the public sector, but I think private has a greater opportunity to be involved there and to make a massive impact on the community in the positive ways that they're aspiring for. And I would encourage entrepreneurs to be at the front of that, trying to come up with innovative solutions for more better priced housing. I think that's the opportunity that exists. I think when we think about infrastructure across the province, if we want to really lean heavily into this remote world and make it easy for someone in Annapolis Valley or Cape Breton to be able to take part in the tech economy and what is thriving in the next biggest wave of growth and wealth, let's give them good internet. Let's give them the ability to log in and to be a part of mm-hmm. Web3 and all of these fascinating things that we talk about while also recognizing that yes, as I mentioned, like there's traditional industries that also need these people and these people who might just not be able to be involved in tech today because of poor internet, poor access, et cetera, if they can take care of some of those fundamental things and they apply innovative thinking to that, mm-hmm. it would be cool to fast forward five years and see my kids going on a, a bus with no driver because the driver <laughs> is an AI. I'm okay with that, I think, but I'll dive we'll, into or, it. Or maybe we're all living the metaverse. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. The teaching could happen at home. That's another opportunity. Right. We could geek out on this for hours, but like homeschooling is a thing. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's starting mm-hmm. to evolve. And I know some people are going to be like, well, Ross, you're getting wild here. I know. <laughs> but like there's so many opportunities. And if you can think about it um, around how you can apply tech to old industries, old spaces, and ha- there's a ton of opportunity there. When you think about B&Bs that have founders and entrepreneurs who have led them for decades, but they have to step away because they've gotten older. If you apply tech thinking to a lot of these organizations and a lot of these companies, the profit margins are gonna go higher, the efficiencies are gonna go higher, the people who are employed there are going to have a higher morale, they're gonna be happier because you are embracing some of the philosophies Mm -hmm. that ultimately allow for a better life. I'll stop. So so one thing, (laughs) fully agree with you both, um, tech, opportunity in tech across all industries, but one thing we haven't talked about, and I think it's a huge, um, opportunity for the future and there's going to be massive growth is the green economy and clean mm-hmm. energy mm-hmm. and that's something both provincially and federally is an enormous focus um, we've got uh, the community colleges and post-secondaries training students in this area uh, so I think if, if you were to focus Great. on one area you shouldn't because there's opportunity <laughs> everywhere but but uh, it, it's I think that's where we may see some of the biggest growth yes and nuclear is coming back 
Oh God. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll save that for another. We'll save that for another chat. We'll save that for another chat. Okay. So I think we've uh, used up all of our time today. I I really appreciate um, everyone joining us for our very first podcast live event with uh, the Onside Podcast. It was the first first time to try it. <laughs> so yeah, awesome. hopefully Thanks it went o- hopefully it went okay. And I just want to thank all of our guests who are here today. For the people who are listening in uh, online or watching us on, on YouTube, um, how can people connect with you? I always want to make sure that people know how Twitter, they can Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Okay. Yeah, I'm on all of the platforms. So on Twitter, I'm at the coolest school. Most channels, I'm on that. That was my university decision. But uh, <laughs> you can give me a quick search online. You can find me. Martha? So I'm on the same plat. Well, really, just Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Not uh, I'm not as robust as Ross <laughs> okay. in that area. And reach out to Volta anytime. We'd uh, we'd love to have any of you down there for a tour and to spend some time with my colleagues. Okay. Uh, Of course, like and subscribe our podcast um, and uh, check us out on our website. We're happy to uh, have you connect with us there. And just want to thank everybody for uh, for a great time this, uh, this afternoon and happy holidays. And we'll be seeing you guys on our next podcast. Thanks Thanks so much for joining. Appreciate it. Thanks, Alex. Take care. Podstarter.